The UN is attempting to strip Israel of its biblical heritage. We're doing the show live from the Indiana Convention Center today in Indianapolis, Indiana. Today's going to be a little bit different as we have a variety of guests and we're going to discuss topics ranging from Bible prophecy to end time Christianity and more. You never know who may join us on set. All of this and more today on the End Time Show. Welcome to the End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We are broadcasting live from Indianapolis, Indiana at the Indiana Convention Center. We'll be broadcasting multiple days this week at 5.30 p.m., so make sure to make plans to come out and watch us live. Doug, we're going to be joined by multiple guests today. We're super excited because you never know what may come up today. Way different than normal. We're a little out of our comfort zone, but I kind of like it. Yeah, I know you like this kind of stuff, man. So this makes you happy. <laughs> Someone that walks by, we might grab them and bring them in. And that's what happened with that's this what guy here in the middle. Yeah, yeah, we did this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pastor Keith Castleberry, welcome yeah. to the End Time Show. Thank you. We're so happy to, to have you here with us. I know we've been to your church multiple times yeah. to do a prophecy conference. Yep. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience, if you don't mind. Oh, and, man. And get real close to the mic. So yeah, we've had, uh, we've had uh, End Time at least every other year for... I'm going to say six or seven times, so 12, 14 years. We missed the year during COVID, but uh, we had the Baxters out. We've had, uh, well, we haven't had you, Vince, but. That's true. Or our Doug. Loss, our loss. No, we've had Doug. Doug's oh, come. Man. And, uh, we've, and so we've had a, we've had a, uh, a working you, you relationship get to the with the package for a long before time. you get me out. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, man. What is that, like 20000 a year or something? At least. Something. <laughs> so, anyway, we've had, we've had a, a really good relationship with End Time. They come out, uh, present a wonderful program to our church and to our community. And, of course, every year they come, every time they come, it's a full house. And our church goes away educated but also more in love with the word. Are people scared out of their mind when, when we go there? No, no, not at all. In fact, I think that the people that come to our church that don't know about end time, when they come to end time, they come away more intensely in love with the Lord and ready for the future, which is really a blessing because they're not scared of the word and they're not scared of, the, of what's to come because it, it, it brings knowledge. Knowledge brings comfort. So it's a, great, it's a great ministry. We've, I, I wouldn't have had them so many times, or them. I wouldn't have had them yeah. so many times uh, if it, we didn't really appreciate it. And we really do appreciate in time. Love the Baxters, of course, and uh, and but of course that that love continues on today. Dave and Doug and their families, and it's really a good thing. Yeah, well, we're honored to have you, and we were told to to watch you that. There's a shepherd's hook right back here that we might yeah. get yeah. you off set real quick. Yeah, my mouth goes before me, I guess. Sometimes. I can be that way. Yeah. Last night, me and Tina ran into you before yeah. we went into worship, and um, you were telling us something you're very passionate about. Yeah. And so we wanted to have you on today so you can kind of share that because, you know, we do, a lot of people think prophecy is just about fear-mongering and things like that, but we like to to give people hope when we come yes. into their church and we teach prophecy. Well, you're working on a ministry right now that's going to help people and give them a lot of hope. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, so um, about a year and a half or two ago, we started dreaming about the, well, I say dreaming, thinking about the situation that we're dealing with in our world and the church. 
And unfortunately, the longer we live, the world is getting worse, if you will. And I know I'm not wanting to point to any certain group, but the world is not getting better. And unfortunately, a lot of those hurting people come into the church and they bring things with them. And uh, if we don't, if we're not diligent about protecting the people, our churches will stumble, fall, and not be able to do what they're called to do. And so what we've presented about, uh, started about a year ago, we started working on a program called Safe Churches. Mm. And Safe Churches is not associated with the UPCI or anything like that, but we go into churches, give the audit them for their uh, policy procedure, their technology use, make sure that every church is protecting the most vulnerable in that church. And the reason why that's important is, of course, we've seen this happening across the world in every church, and it's not any certain brand, it's just all churches are dealing with this. Because we are living in that 2 Timothy 3, that in the end time, perilous times will come. Or, or if you wanted to look at it in Romans 1, 18, it's, it's, we really live in a very, unfortunately, we live in a very, my word is I use is perverted. We live in a very perverted time where men's minds are on evil at all times. So what we want to do is protect the integrity of the church by protecting the most vulnerable in our community. And so when they come into our church, a family that comes to our church will know once we audit them and we, we give them some seminars and some tools, they can use that to make their church or uh, have their church to the point to where it is the most safe environments for all of our babies to come to church, go to Sunday school. They can go on youth group, youth trips without being full of fear because we are using the best policy procedure technology. Uh, and, and we as, a, as an organization, Safe Churches, safechurches.net, we um, present those seminars. We start, and, and um, let me clarify, we start with an audit, then we do one-on-one consult- consultation between me and a pastor, how they can better their church safety then we go to seminars which now, is when you say safety is it like security is it we don't um, not, not the gun toting you know hey we're going to keep everybody safe we're talking about uh intentionally protecting children from sexual abuse sexual and, abuse and, okay. exactly i was not going to say that on here but yes that's okay yes that's exactly <laughs> what we're trying to protect them from well, Such that's wonderful. You know, really as, as we're navigating these end times, exactly, we need churches to be a safe space, absolutely, so that people from all walks of life can come into them and feel at home, like absolutely. it's supposed to be. And, and so unfortunately, most people think, "Oh, that's never going to happen to me," and right. so they they ignore the technological advantages that we have available to them. They ignore the policy and procedures that we have available to them. They ignore the leadership training that is available to them, and they just say, "Well, we're going to have church, and that's all that matters." And unfortunately. That's exactly what the enemy is looking for, to destroy good churches doing a good work. Is church hurt a real thing? <laughs> yes. Can you yes. talk about that a little bit? We've, we've got a little bit more than a minute. So, Okay, so um, first of all, over half of the members of our churches have gone through some sort of abuse. Church hurt is a product of an un- unmet expectation. Sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's ignorant, sometimes it's totally unintentional. But those people come to our church with hurts already. And if we're not very careful, we can reopen those wounds. That's one way of doing it. Another way, of course, is, and unfortunately, we're human. So a pastor can accidentally hurt someone. And that, that of course, they carry that through their life, uh, whether it's, again, spiritual abuse or 
because we're not we're not only interested in sexual abuse but spiritual abuse mental abuse we want our churches to be better we don't want them to fall prey to what satan is doing in this end time so what does the church do if they're interested in more uh, learning more about this safechurches.net is the first place to go and we have um all of our contact information on there of course they can reach out to me through there there's an email and and phones and everything there uh then we are partnered with uh aftercare uh concierge counseling so we have aftercare and because and for those that 50 percent of people that are in the church that have been abused they have care waiting for them through what we're doing wonderful so safechurches.net exactly all right, go check that out today. Yep. Pastor Castleberry, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor. I'm very honored. Thank you. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 End Time. Are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more End Time Bible prophecy than any other? Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem, where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, baptize in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com slash tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. sorts of things and we are now joined by pastor terry shock welcome thank you thanks for the opportunity you never know what we're going to talk about 
You know, uh, when you, whenever you float into an end time type thing, it could get spooky. It could. Or we could just be raptured right now. You never know. Hey. <laughs> don't worry. We not don't, a bad idea. We don't think that'll happen. But um, <laughs> you have a, um, a remarkable ministry. I love listening to you preach, teach, uh, lead small classes uh, that I've been a part of where you teach on leadership and all sorts of things. So I wanted to bring you on because, you know, one thing we talk about is end-time Christianity and how churches and church leadership should behave. And we believe now that we are walking through the end time, that's more important than ever before. And so your ministry, um, kqministries.net. Right. Is that correct? That's right. All right. You have a podcast, you have all sorts of resources there for people to go consume. So be sure to check that website out. You say your life anthem is Matthew 633. Is that correct? It is. Can we talk about that for a while? Sure. Um, Matthew 633, I really, uh, it started really getting into my spirit years and years and years ago. And I really didn't understand the scope of it. I don't understand the total scope now, but, but I do have greater revelation on it now, finally. When it speaks about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Well, we don't have enough time to get in to really break it all down. But when it speaks of seeking first the kingdom, mm-hmm. the kingdom, many years ago, uh, we felt led to start KQ Ministries, which is Kingdom Quest. And so it is a ministry because we are on a quest for the kingdom. Yeah. Now, when you start talking the kingdom, then then it, it elevates uh, to quite quite a level. Of course, when you're talking about seeking, that's not passive. We're not going to drift into seeking. Then when you say first, okay, we're not talking second. And we're sure not talking third, fourth, and fifth. So the focus of the kingdom is what is what has driven us and drives us in seek ye first the kingdom. So why isn't that easy to do? Well, there's a lot of issues. <laughs> I, I think flesh is one, um, and then personal opinion, and then flesh and then human reasoning and then flesh and carnal thinking and then flesh. Um, It's, see, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy, to to be 100% into thy, it's a total absence of my. Yeah. That, that is a struggle. Doug? That is, that is a struggle. Well, I mean, this is one of those scriptures that we tell people a lot with this ministry because people ask us, well, what are we supposed to do in the end times? And that's a scripture I go to all the time because it's not just a scripture where it's telling us that we should do something, but it's also telling us that we'll receive something. Mm -hmm. And so it's got to help people to understand that if we're doing God's business, he's going to be taking care of us because it says if we do that, all these things shall be added unto us. It doesn't say then you might get some of these things. Right. But it says that God knows the things you're going to need and he's going to supply those needs. That's right. And so I love that scripture too. It's awesome that that's how you build. We call it God gravity. 
Yeah, God you might have heard of that before. You, yes, yes, I've, yeah. yes, I've heard of that. And the interesting thing about all these things will be added. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a four wheeler. That's not a, <laughs> right. a lake house. That's not. That's that's right. He was speaking about the the, the basics of right. what we need. That what he we supply. need, and not necessarily what we want. That's right. Yes. And so therein comes a whole other issue on this kingdom. Yes, sir. And kingdom thinking. Well, I mean, let's talk about that. We we have like 12 minutes to talk okay. about why people can't um, surrender lordship and seek him first. So let's talk about that for a while. Well, when when you, I often say that every night when I go to bed, my flesh goes to the gym and works out. <laughs> and so every morning when I wake up, I, I am fighting a buffed up flesh. I think we all are. That, that is, that's what keeps us from the kingdom. When we're talking about kingdom thinking, um, you have to you have to break down kingdom. I break it down like this. Of course, just a quick little thought on the kingdom is many people, in my opinion, are trapped into only thinking the the level of Pentecost. That's great. Pentecost is great. But Pentecost was a feast. The day of Pentecost was was a day. It's mentioned just a few times in the Bible. Very important. Well, then a lot of people just stay locked down there, and they just want to fight everybody that's not Pentecostal. Well, then, then you elevate to kingdom, to apostolic, and so that widens out. But I, but I ask... Why is the Apostles' Doctrine so important? Well, because it was the doctrine of the king. Mm. Well, what about the church? Well, absolutely, but what is the church? Well, he purchased it with his blood. It's the object of his affection. But what is it? Well, it's the body of Christ. It's the bride. Well, the bride of who? The king. So when you, when you love and appreciate Pentecost, you love and appreciate apostolic, but if we ever elevate to the kingdom, because Psalms 145 speaks of the kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Mm-hmm. Daniel 7 speaks of it. It's it's an ever it's an everlasting. It's the church had a birthday, we'll have an exit date. The kingdom is forever. So I think one reason why it's hard to think kingdom is we look too low. We're, we're, we're focused a little low, locked in on religion, religion's fight. We don't elevate on up. And so when I'm talking kingdom, I'm talking king, kingdom, kingdom entry, and kingdom life. So I think whenever we get the king where the king is supposed to be and we get all humans out of the king zone no matter who they are you're stepping on some toes yeah a lot we don't have an altar over here (laughs) well but we could come up with an offering plate but we don't have an okay (laughs) i would rather have the altar but the offering wouldn't be bad either but but when you clean out why do we have a problem talking about this because we have too many humans in the king zone. Mm. 
will people will literally name a a relative and say they were right up there with Jesus. No, they wasn't. <laughs> There's nobody right. that has ever been or will ever be right up there with Jesus. So I personally think one of the main reasons why we're having such a problem with kingdom thinking is we have too many humans in the king zone. And we've got to focus on clearing that out to where there's there's no close seconds. We don't have enough time for me to talk about to talk about my father, Brother Lumpkin, Brother Patrick, other great men that have impacted my life. But they are not to be in the king zone. And so I think it starts with an elevation of the king. Mm. So we, we sometimes prior, prioritize people over the king. And that's called idolatry. We'd and rather, it's alive and well today. Yeah, we'd rather listen to their preaching or whatever than go talk there to Jesus. Is. There it is. It's like, what do I think? Choose any hot topic. Well, what do you think about that? Well, our answer needs to be, it needs to be, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think. What does the, what does the king say? Doug, I like my preferences so much, though. <laughs> well, uh, well, sure you do, and we all do. So anyway, I mean, it, it would take, I don't know how much time we have left, but it would take a whole lot more. We've go got ahead. more time. Well, go ahead. Well, and so. And so. So, and next. Oh, and next. Um, well, I was just thinking about kingdom entry. We have a, a webpage called um, What Do You Mean Born Again? So go to endtime.com slash reborn to learn what it means to be born again, to be transformed the way the disciples scribe, described it, and get into the kingdom. Now, that was only one element. That's one element. That's only one. There's what happens after more. that? Well, there's five more kingdom entry okay. principles. Okay, can we talk about that? Well, you know, you could go to righteousness. You could go to those that do the will of God, become as a little child, tribulation. I mean, all of this, talking about pressure to enter the kingdom, but chronologically, chronologically in the Bible, John 3, 3 through 5, you know, is, is the first. So, yes, but there are a lot of people that when they think kingdom entry, yes, that's first, that's the birth, you got to be born before you can live, but then there are actually other kingdom entry principles in the Word of God. What are some of the others? Well, like what I was talking okay. about, doing the will of God, yeah. righteousness, riches. Dig in on that one. Let's dig. Well, whenever it starts talking all through the Bible about how hard it is for a rich person, not impossible, but it's very clear that... The, that the more riches we have, what comes with riches? Options. The more options we have, the more distracted we can become. And so just in that focus with riches opens up a huge door. Well, we're in America. We're in America. What does riches mean? Because... There it is. <laughs> the Western world? There's, there's the big... There's the big question. How much is enough? Yeah. See, we don't want... There are two M words that comes in with all that. More and moderation. We don't want moderation. We want more. And so at some point, we have to ask ourselves and wrestle these hard things to the ground. How much is enough? How much is enough? How do we do that, though? Because 
we can talk about it all day long, but when it comes time to actually trying to figure that out, I, I'm to me, I think like the starting point is self-honesty. Like, Absolutely. But how do we get there? How do we actually get there? Well, now, because there's people probably amen in you right now okay. that are walking through it and won't do what you're saying. Okay. And they think they are. And it's and it's a struggle. Yeah. I'm telling you because I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of again trying to get this down. But we have to get number one to the ba- the basis of contentment, and the biblical basis for contentment is food and raiment. That's that's the basis of, of what the word says. So you know, do I believe in some, you know, that we need to adopt some apostolic uh, socialism? Do I believe that there's a one size fits all? That's what I'm struggling with. Acts two forty two through forty seven. Read it slow. And and let's and that's that's where I'm parked right now. How are we going to answer and live? Acts 2, 42 through 47. House, house to house, and eating bread and gladness and all these things. But it talks about having all things come. What does that mean? What? Doug, do we recommend going and buying property with 12 other families and just hiding out there? We, we normally do not recommend that. <laughs> what do we say about all this? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, when I think about seeking God's kingdom first, one of the things I try to tell people is we've got to put all that material stuff behind us and and do exactly what that scripture is telling us to do. We've got to be in the word of God. We've got to have that relationship with Christ. And he's got to be the Lord over our life. I think that's where, you know, our flesh gets in the way so much because we don't want someone being in control of our life. We've got to give God all the control if we're going to be kingdom minded. And so that's what we try to help people understand is in the times that we live in, as crazy as they are, and we believe we live in the days like Lot and, and Noah where men's minds are always on evil. Look at all the crazy things happening. We've got to get past that and get kingdom-minded with letting God be first in our life. Pastor Shock, we've got 60 seconds 60 left. seconds. So okay. your last word. Well, my last word is, is seek the kingdom and then... I would also like to say that Melanie and I are very passionate about this. We have kqministries.net. We just also launched uh, KQTV. It's also available on Patreon. We just launched a subscription-based, $5.99 a month for... Uh, you know, and heads up on earlier products and some teaching that's not offered uh, free online and these kinds of things. So we're very passionate about this. This is what we given, we're giving our life to. And Go to his website right now and subscribe today. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We've got a variety of guests that we're bringing on today talking about all sorts of things, so we're having a good time. We're broadcasting live from Indianapolis, Indiana. We're at the UPC General Conference at the Indiana Convention Center, so we're happy you've joined us. You never know who's going to be on, Doug. We're having a good time. Yeah, My absolutely. dad is even here. I know. You remind everybody that this is where you grew up in this state. Yes. And so you've got family here. I've right? got family here. We have my sisters have been here. We've been the loud crew. Yeah. So I just want my dad to come around here real quick. Yeah. And say hello. hello. Never been on. How y'all doing? All right. <laughs> There's my dad. He sounds like he's from Texas. He said, how y'all doing? Yeah. He's from Texas. He might as well be. Yeah, there you go. We, if we could get him to move there, that'd be great. So so glad to have my dad here with us. And uh, some people, Brother, Co Brother uh, Dr. Costa, excuse That's me. All right. Some people will confuse you as my dad from this point forward. Oh, my goodness. Just so you know, this is how it goes. We say <laughs> yeah. things and someone will look at you and go, there's Vince's dad. So... Yeah. Sometimes well, I'm Doug. Sometimes he's Vince, and you, you might be my dad every once in a while from All here right. on out. So. All right. We're glad to have you back <laughs> in person. Here. Good to be yeah. here. It's good to have you. We, live, both we've, of you. We've talked about your shows that you joined us with almost nonstop. Every day we're talking about oh, something. Oh, that's we great. That's so great. everyone loved you, and uh, I think we're in the same hotel, and we yes, said sir. we better get you on the show here in person with Doug and I. Delighted to be here. Doug, where are we going to start with here. Dr. Costa? Because he's got a wealth of knowledge and we don't have near enough time. So, Well, can you give us a brief update of where we are on the topics we talked about last time sure. you were on the show? So we talked about bricks. Sure. We talked about FedNow. I know sure. I talked to you last night about some other things that you might want to mention today. So, Okay. Yeah, so just sure. kind of give us, fill, fill in those gaps so people that caught that might get an update. Of okay. Well, um, we talked about BRICS, which of course is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South America. And of course, on January 1st, as of the most recent BRICS meeting, uh, on January 1st, they're going to admit Saudi Arabia, Iran, the United Arab Emirates, Argentina, Egypt, and Ethiopia. And the reason that's significant is there's so many uh, there's so many oil-producing nations that are being introduced to BRICS. And BRICS is on a concentrated campaign to not only get the world off the U.S. dollar, but specifically off the petrodollar. Yeah. So currently about 74% of world trade is done in the U.S. dollar. 90% of currency trade is done in the U.S. dollar. And historically, up until recently, all petroleum trade virtually was done on the U.S. dollar. 
with the admission of these petroleum producing nations and their will their recent willingness to trade on something other than the US dollar we're expecting a significant weakening mm -hmm. in the US dollar as these countries create a trading block specifically for oil and so that's a big concern uh, there's been some recent developments in BRICS, but nothing has materialized uh, as yet. Russia has announced that next year their main focus is going to be on a BRICS currency, specifically an e-currency, and uh, you know, basically a CDBC. Right now, it's a basket of currencies. So there's not one currency that has emerged. So we don't know if China's yuan is going to end up being the prevailing currency. We're not sure yet if there's going to be a new currency that's going to emerge. That will all take place next year, presumably. Yeah. Uh, of course, Fed now is clicking along. A lot of people, uh, about 130 or so, U.S. banks representing our largest banks are uh, part of the FedNow system. A lot of people have confused FedNow and the Fed has tried to make it very clear that FedNow is not synonymous or necessarily mean that FedCoin, which is basically a nickname, that's not the official name of the U.S you know cdbc right but um it's a nickname i mean it could be the name we don't know yet but normally um, when the fed tells you something and that they don't want to be associated with it's right. because that's exactly what they're doing so right yeah it could be the name i guess well technically the whatever fed coin emerges technically it will be the u.s uh, department of treasury okay. that will be issuing it because they ultimately issue all of our currencies yeah. now you know the fed is responsible for monetary pol uh, for uh, fiscal policy right. and the treasury is responsible for monetary policy but they work hand in hand yeah. so uh fed coin is coming or whatever it's going to be called uh, it, it's it seems eminent yeah. um but that is presumably going to take congressional approval so uh, the looming budget showdown and government shutdown uh, maybe is evidence that Congress sort of can't get on the same page yeah. so maybe fed coins not as eminent as we well good we that's, suspect that's good news. that would be a good thing uh, of course, the devaluation of the dollar yeah. is not a good thing. Let me ask you this about BRICS real quick, because one of the things you mentioned is Iran. So we're, we're looking at them, and right now the UN, the United States, can we can, uh, you know, we can economically sanction them to keep them from developing their nuclear warheads. Uh, but if but. they do this, <laughs> if, if they do this, then what happens? We're, we're broadcasting. So, so that's what it, happens when you're at a, hey, a conference. Anything's bound to happen here. So you should have brought her on the happen. show with us. Yeah. But uh, so so now with them signing up with this, 
it wouldn't matter if they tried to economically sanction them to keep them from doing this, right? That right. would allow them to do what they want to do. One of the main reasons for BRICS yeah. is the members of BRICS, specifically Russia at the moment, but of course Iran now, yeah. but BRICS is specifically concerned about the U.S.'s ability to do economic sanctions. So a large reason that BRICS was formed and the reason that they want their own currency is basically to avoid U.S. sanctions. And if they're able to get much of the trade off the U.S. dollar, U.S. sanctions don't really matter anymore. So that's a large part of the reason for the formation of BRICS. Yeah. And we we talked about before when we talked about BRICS is that this could be a reason that we would go to war uh, because other other people have tried to do this to the United States. And and that is what drives the United States is, is our dollar, our economy. And if they do this, could this be a flashpoint that could push us into what what we talk about being the Sixth Trumpet War or what the world would know as World War Three. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's somewhat speculation. Yeah. But it's interesting because two of the primary proponents, uh, national leaders and nations that tried to form their own currency yeah. and get oil trade off the petrodollar were Saddam Hussein. Mm and Muammar Gaddafi and we know that it didn't end well for those two it did not end well for them <laughs> right so you know you I suppose it's an unproven theory some might say a conspiracy theory yeah. but we've already gone to war with Iraq right and specifically the Hussein regime yeah and we took military um, action against Muammar Gaddafi and ironically these were two gentlemen that were trying to get off the petrodollar and have their own you know uh, trade currency and so one can only wonder you know the next next group or next nation that really promotes the same thing if they won't meet a similar end. Dr. Costa have you learned anything new since we talked last that would either ease your mind or freak you out even more in regards to all that's going on? There's so much happening so fast. I noticed that today, uh, Zimbabwe, so it was either just today or yesterday, Zimbabwe wants to become part of BRICS. And of course, Zimbabwe has hyperinflation, Mm -hmm. okay? And so they want to be part of the BRICS system, but they don't want to give up the U.S. dollar because the U.S. dollar has somewhat stabilized their currency, and they're worried about if we become part of BRICS, and then BRICS has its own currency, and it's not as stable as the U.S. dollar, you know, that's going to exacerbate our battle with hyperinflation. Yeah, sure. So that's kind of an interesting thing because applicants to BRICS are already, some of them, not all of them, some of them are already resisting this common currency. So that's a reason for, you know, some degree of hope. 
but the world and and the major players of the world and the 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 enemies of the United States are really pushing this, particularly Russia, big surprise. Yeah. Uh, really pushing this common currency through BRICS. And I think, you know, it, it is just evidence of world government, mm -hmm. which I know you guys talk about all the time. Absolutely. And uh, probably much more articulately than I could. But uh, this is just evidence that we are racing towards right. world government. And there's little reasons for hope with some of these nations sort of resisting a little bit. Unfortunately, they're not the power brokers. Yeah. You know, is Russia and China going to listen to Zimbabwe? Mm. No disrespect to Zimbabwe, <laughs> right. you know. But yeah. is Russia and China going to be deterred by a country like Zimbabwe right. or Argentina? Um, probably not. When you've got two major nuclear power nations like China and Russia, and then you bring in Saudi into this, who controls the majority of the oil in the world, um, this actually could drive the U.S. dollar into the dirt. I mean, to, to Very see much that happen. So. And they've got the, I guess, the uh, military power behind them to where they don't really care if they're waking the, the eagle up to come and, and attack them or start a war with them because right. they feel like they've already got all the, the eggs in their basket, so to speak. Right. So if, if that were to happen, you said a while ago that China's currency might be the currency that, that BRICS goes with. It might be. What do you think that would do with like the, the way that uh, China has their social credit score where they uh, you know, deduct points from your bank right. account and things if you're doing things that go against what they want you to do. And do Dr. Dr. Cross, you have to answer this in 20 seconds. Oh, sorry. Just so you know. <laughs> sorry. Wow, I'm not sure I can. Yeah. Um, one of the concerns with Fed now, one of the concerns with a common currency is social control. Yeah. And it has been discussed, even in government settings, you know the issues of social control right and a lot of people think that it's far-fetched we're running these, out of time where, are we done well we're not done but can you just tell people how to find you on twitter real quick so they can follow you you can find me on twitter at dr robert uh, at dr bob costa go do that today c-o-s-t-a we'll be right back hi i'm judy baxter when Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Welcome back to the End 
Show. Ben Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're so happy you've joined us today. We're broadcasting live from Indianapolis, Indiana at the Indiana Convention Center. We're talking about all sorts of things, Doug. We've covered Safe Church. We've covered um, Kingdom Living, Kingdom uh, Seeking First His Kingdom, and Fed Now and CBDCs. We're all over the place today. Yeah, we've, got, we we've got another guest coming momentarily, but before we do that, Doug, do you want to get into this story at all, or do you want to talk about something else? Well, we can talk about this story a little bit because it's just more of the same. Uh, I don't know how much we'll be able to talk about it, but, yeah, there was a story that came out about uh, the latest thing that UNESCO has done to Israel. And uh, and this actually, I got this from CBN, but it's all over the, the headlines right now about what they uh, UNESCO voted on. Remember, UNESCO is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Uh, they've, they've named other holy sites to Israel as being Palestinian um, sites and not anything to do with the Jewish people. And so now, once again, uh, they've come out and now they've said that Jericho is, uh, is not, has, it doesn't have anything to do with Jewish history. It's all Palestinian, and they begin to call Jericho by its Palestinian name. So they're trying to strip them of their biblical heritage. Yeah. Why and, is that significant for us? Well, I mean, it's it's super significant, especially with Jericho. I mean, Jericho is a, a very important place. Uh, so many different things have happened there from uh, when uh, Joshua and the Israelites came over. It's like one of the oldest stories. Yeah, it's one of the greatest stories in the Bible where they actually marched around the city seven times and the seventh time they blow the shofar and the walls come down, not just come down, but explode out and they take the city. Uh, and so huge story there. And uh, it, it's, it's not just that they're trying to erase the heritage of Israel, but this goes along with what they're trying to do in the UN right now with this peace agreement, where they're trying to get this forced peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians, and they're trying to make it seem like these areas they want to give Palestine as a state, uh, they want to give it less importance to the Jewish people, make it more important to the Palestinian people. So that's kind of where we are on that story today. All right. Well, yeah. our guest has arrived. Yes, he has. Dr. Eugene Wilson. Come on now. Welcome to the End Time Show. <laughs> Good to be here. How you're, It's your son's birthday, so we appreciate it you is. taking time to join us on the show. And uh, 27 years old. So give you're me a not, shout out. You're not old enough to have a 27-year-old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it's, we, it's we wanted miracle. to have you on today because we're talking about all sorts of things, but with End Time Christianity, you just wrote a book called Five Reasons Churches Thrive. Can you give us those five reasons so we don't have to buy the book? <laughs> I'm well, there's kidding. A whole buy lot the book. More. It's a great book. Uh, it's, there's a whole lot more weaved into the story. So the, the quick, semi-long version is, is that I was a young pastor in East Tennessee. Um, I'd grown up in a pastor's home, but always on the smaller size of churches, um, the average 50, 70 people. And after seven years, I moved to... Um, Memphis, Tennessee, and assumed um, pastoral role and responsible for 300 people at that time. And I learned all kinds of things. And sitting out in the senior pastor's vehicle one day, he asked me, what are the four or five things that you have learned since you've been here that you would take everywhere and you think everyone should need to know? And he said, think about that. We'll talk about it. And I said, I'd like to tell you right now. And I gave him four things. And um, he mentioned a fifth one. I said, well, yes, absolutely. And from those five, I went back to my, um, my schooling as an adult, my master's degree, my doctorate, 
And basically, most of my books have been written around those five uh, key principles, and I've expounded upon them. So this book was a leadership fable, a lot of fun to write. So um, it's a story, and then at the very end, I give the practical application. I build it around those five uh, key elements, and I take little pieces of my story. Of course, you change it up because it's a leadership fable, but uh, hopefully it'll help a lot of people. I'm excited about it. Where do we go to buy it? Oh, Pentecostal Publishing House, and then it won't be much longer. It'll be out on Amazon for the ebook, and then you can also, um, I'm sure they'll do an Audible before too long. They're just finished. In fact, Realign and 70 are both uh, my first two books that are translated to French and to Spanish, and recently to Mandarin. Uh, those books are now showing up on Audible. Other books are already on Audible, but I'm sure it'll come out on Audible version, especially being a fable. Wonderful. Um, why do some churches thrive and others struggle? That's one of the questions here. Um, could you start us down that? I know you can't cover it all. Can you start us down that? Yes, sir. You know, I, I work a lot with leaders, and, and I watch leadership. Um, even though I have a doctorate in strategic leadership, I probably read more books on leadership than anyone. I love the subject, so I devour it. And I have found that there are some leaders fall because of moral failure. Some leaders fail because of the lack of competency. Or maybe they're, even have the, they're competent, but they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But um, the number one, hands down, there's no close second uh, reason that leaders fail is because they fail to understand the differences in people's personalities largely or their giftings. And, um, and, they, and because they fail to understand that, they don't really truly appreciate those differences. So a big part of the book is focusing on understanding those differences. Another key element is uh, structure. Um, many churches, they, they operate from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And if you study the organizational life cycles, you'll find that there are four major life cycles. And entrepreneur is the first one. The second one is what is called collectivity. And that deals a lot with bringing in structures. So you got job descriptions, ministry covenants is a lot of uh, what it's called by a lot of churches. And um, the majority of churches in America, uh, pre-COVID numbers, the median average-sized church in America is 60 people. And so most churches that I've ever encountered, 60, 70, 80, 100, even 120, they lack ministry covenants. But when you move into the next size level of churches, you have people that have teams that are operating um, within those teams. They were empowered and they have ministry covenants. And it's pretty much a given. And so those are just the key elements. Uh, scripturally, uh, Acts 6, uh, they, were, they were empowered. They begin to change the structures. People that think that well, structure is not spiritual and you want to make it all spiritualized, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, they lack an understanding. Acts 6 was very, very spiritual, and that is they empowered others. They gave them a delegation that this is the parameter of how you're supposed to handle it. And then they also empower them. There's a difference between delegation and empowerment. I talk about that in the book. There's a lot of things I talk about, but there are five key elements, and those are a couple of them right there. Is your, is your book only for pastors or, I guess, church leaders? Well, that's a great question. I, I would say anyone that is concerned about the church wants to work with uh, church leaders. Uh, they could be a leader of a department. Just understanding those practical things. Uh, for me, when I went on staff uh, in Memphis uh, back in, man, I can't even remember how long ago now, a good long time back, um, that this book would have been very, very practical. It would have helped me a tremendous amount, understanding some key elements of structure and how to work with people, how to build teams. All those things are, are just weaved throughout the book. Doug, earlier with uh, Pastor Terry Shock, we were talking about seeking first the kingdom. I know you talk about this a lot, Eugene. Uh, Dr. Wilson, excuse me. Oh, uh, we go way back, so yes. it's like 
your you and my mother went to church camp together, if I understand <laughs> yes, it correctly. We did. So we, we go were way teenagers, back. probably before then. And no, let me go back even further than that. Your grandfather, Irvin Baxter, and my mom went to children's camps together. Oh my! They so ran he, around camps. He won in Indiana when they were camper kids. of the year over her. That's that's what it sounds like you're saying. He always bragged about being camper of the year. Your your, your grandfather did. Yeah. Well. I won Camper of the Year four times, then my grandpa wouldn't let me have it the next time. Oh. He said, because we're a family. My yeah. grandfather was a Sunday school director, so he wouldn't allow me to have a Camper of the Year. <laughs> okay, let's get back Isn't on. That crazy? Matthew, it is crazy. <laughs> Matthew 6.33. What does that scripture mean to you? Oh, man. What's what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What's it say? No, I, I know. I'm just, I know I'm you just know. playing. You know, I, I, the scripture says that the kingdom... Is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The, the, the new birth, which, where Jesus shares in, in, in the book of John, and we talk about a lot, that being born of the water and born of the Spirit, you cannot enter. You cannot, um, I would say this, is see nor enter the kingdom. The new birth brings you to like a threshold. And at that threshold, all of a sudden the door opens, and now you have this entire kingdom to take up residence. It's like the children of Israel crossing over um, the, the the Red Sea waters and they go into, of course, the wilderness, but then later they cross over Jordan rivers and now they enter into the promised land. The promised land is a type of the kingdom. Uh, it's not the type of heaven. There's not going to be any fighting in heaven. It is a type of the kingdom. And so the kingdom of heaven is a type of violence, the violence taken by force. Of course, I know what that scripture means, but in a wider um, application, it's our lives entering in and beginning possessing and growing in Christ. Um, the scriptures refer to Jesus as Savior, but they also refer to him as Lord. Savior 60 times, but Lord over 400 times. And so it's always Lord and Savior, never Savior and Lord. So whatever comes first takes preeminence or what comes second. And so he is the Lord of our life. He doesn't want to just be our Savior. And so we get in our in our crazy situations where, man, save me from my marital distress. You know, save me from um, my, my health. Uh, I've got bad health. Uh, save me from my horrible finances and so on. But most of us want him to be our Savior, but we don't want him to be our Lord. And the Lordship is every day allowing him to, to rule and reign in our lives. And he gets to call the shots. And we don't always like that. We think we can do a better job. That's tough to, that's tough to really get and to live that. Um, you can pick up any of Dr. Eugene Wilson's books at Pentecostal Publishing House, or you can just Google his name. And I'm sure a lot of that will come up. Uh, you've got about less than two minutes left. How would you, what last words would you like to leave our audience with? Oh man, grow, seek to grow. This, this is so fun. I, I, I was raised in a pastor's home. This is all I've ever known. And yet I sat down with the scriptures and, and my daily devotions earlier this year. And I just was so moved to go to the book of Philippians. I began to read a book of Philippians and just devour it. And as I'm reading it, uh, it just began to stand out to me that Paul is writing the book of Philippians while he's in prison. It's 10 years later. He's writing while he's in prison. Later, uh, a few months later, I'm reading 1 Corinthians, and I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, and I read that he says that I was with you in weakness, fear, and trembling. And I'm like, what, what is Paul saying? And the Lord just prompted me in my spirit to go back and begin reading Acts 16, 17, 18. And he receives a second vision. The first vision was to come on over to Macedonia and help us when he gets there in the chief city of Philippi, which is where he writes the book. Um, 
the book of Philippians, he gets there and it's nothing like he imagines. There's no man there to help. Instead, it's Lydia. It's a young damsel who casts the spirit out. Next thing you know, he's beaten. He's thrown in prison. And here he is 10 years later. He's writing back to them saying, hey, rejoice, guys. Well, they learned that. That church was birthed in a time where Paul was singing with Silas at midnight. He's praying and singing praises. He burst the church in the midst of pain, but he's rejoicing. And then you read on later, he goes from Philipp from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea to Athens and shows up in Corinth. And in Corinth, he's in weakness, fear, and trembling. He's looking back at the trek record and thinking, I'm going to get beaten. I'm going to get run out of town. I'm going to barely escape with my life. I'm going to have very little success in Athens. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to get here to Corinth, and I'm in a moral cesspool. What am I going to do to move forward? And, of course, we know the rest of the story. He gets another vision, and the vision is, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. I have many people in this city. That came out on my daily devotions just a couple months ago. So grow, grow, grow. Read, read, read. Be a, be a, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be a reader. We've got someone here that needs to just keep on walking. That's what it is. Yes. He has rapture anxiety, so we've got to get him out of the shot. <laughs> We're running out of time. Go to Pentecostal Publishing House. Get Dr. Eugene Wilson's book. Thank you for letting me. What else? Sure, Where, where else can someone you? guys find you? are great. Um, my, Twitter, have, Facebook, what? Yeah, yeah. Follow me on Facebook. Equipping Leaders is my nonprofit organization. Uh, just check us out. All right. We do everything we can to coach, train, lead, everything. All right, Doug, how Texas do we wrap Bible it up? Texas Bible College, too. There you go. Well, we just always wanted everyone to see what it looks like behind the scenes at, at General Conference, and here we are. We've had a lot of good guests today, talked a lot about a lot of good topics, so we just encourage everybody to come back tomorrow and see what's next. All right, see you then.